One, two, three, four, I'm testing. Peace, peace, my people. Welcome to yet another episode of ADQ's Renaissance. I'm your host with the most, keeping the honey from coast to coast. I will never boast, but through the Lord I float. A-D-Q. <laughs> Today's going to be a powerhouse episode. I mean a power, power, powerhouse episode. I mean go, go, power, rangers powerful. I mean daggone, I mean ster- I mean Roy Ray's powerful. I mean bodybuilder powerful. I mean, yo, it is just going to be powerful. Today's guest, man. Today. Today. I'm really looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this. All week. I've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this ever since I first started this podcast because I knew that eventually, eventually, my guest for tonight will come through. I knew that he'll eventually come through. I knew that we will eventually have him because that's just the way. That's just the way you know. Let's see. How can I say this? That's just the way we artists jail. Artists just have a tendency. To gel among each other, especially if they're vibrating in a certain place. Now let me let, let, let me you see you see the the, 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 the the artists that we have tonight, you know what I'm saying, coming through to ADQ's Renaissance. This this man this man is a poet, an actor, um what else, what else, what else, what else? A writer. A, men- a mentor? I mean, you know, that sounds very familiar. Hmm. And I'm not but I'm not talking about myself. You know what I'm saying? This man, yo, let me just let me just read some words for you that this man's written. Check this out. <clears throat> I hope to do his poetry justice. Let check this out. Divergent chosen by the pedigree of those who were secretly voted in. Village of the damned. Desolate and dry and deserted. Stay in your class. Misery loves company. So come on in. There's plenty of room for you and your petty excuses. Ignorance. The supreme language of the populace. Do not fear. We will think for you. Tell you how to act. How to dress. How to feel. Ghost write your testimonies. Fake it till you honestly believe you somehow made it. You've been chosen by a panel of the elite. The class system is set up by a new law, paid for by old money. Changes for suckers. Reject individual thought. Join the in crowd. Blend in like the other puppets. Action Jackson, your faction. You will not be lost. You can't stay here. We own the rental property. That hurt, that rejection, that was a long time ago. Get over it. Know your place. The masters are in charge. Pimp by blood. No relation. Speak against us and your career is done. No way of escape. Chase hopeless dreams. Like run, Forrest, run. Work till you're sore. Raise your kids by latch key and basic cable. Will babysit. Swallow the red pill. And forget the existence of victory. The monopoly is run by sinister ministers and dirty collars. Do not pass go. We'll collect your $200. The first lesson of freedom is there is no freedom. And hope is not logical. You can breathe. But we'll supply the air. Always remember the only thing you are identified as is obsolete, nobody, totally invisible, only convenient when we need you. 
residents of Plan Zero, you've been warned. You've officially been notified. You do not matter. So do as we say. Cry hard, die hard. Your die has been cast. Always labor, never management. You're never leaving. This is your prison. Get used to it. You've been warned. Bang, bang. <sighs> Woo, wait. I'm going to just pick up my jug of water and take a little sip after reading that. So we're going, y- y'all going to find out. Y'all, I'm going to let y'all be on the edge of y'all seats as uh, I reveal this individual who penned those very potent words. You know what I'm saying? But before we get into that, before we get further into this individual, you know me, I love to read the word. So we're going to go to Psalm uh, chapter 98. We're going to read the entire chapter, all right? Nine verses, verses one through nine. Because I got so much joy in my spirit, you know what I'm saying? Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel in Africa. <laughs> the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Shout to the Lord all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord, before the king. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. Amen, amen, amen. Also, I have come across a piece of literature that greatly that greatly troubled me. This greatly, greatly troubled me. It asked between Andre 3000 and most Def. I'm going to ask my guest this because he's a he's a he's a fool. He's definitely a hip hop head. Like when I think about so many all the things that me and this man got in common, it almost scares me. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like it's like I'm almost like a younger him. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> he got me he got he got me by like 17, 18 years. But anyway, um, most Def Yasin Bay actually versus Andre Three Thousand. Who's better? Are you freaking kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? That's like that's like putting that's like putting Morningstar chicken nuggets. You know that's not really chicken; it's tofu. That's like putting a plate of Morningstar chicken nuggets in front of me and saying, "Okay, hot sauce or ranch dressing." Are you freaking kidding me? That's like daggone. That's like they're gonna put in the plate of hibachi in front of me and say, okay, white sauce or hot sauce or honey. You know what I'm saying? It's difficult, man. So I'ma let y'all be. I ain't calling that. I can't call it. I can't call it. You know what I'm saying? You hear Andre 3000 verse, you get fire. 
You listen to an Andre 3000 project, you get fired. I mean, come on. Love below, man. Love below. And every single rap song, every single song out there is better when he is on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love, I love Andre 3000's Southern Drawl. How he uses his Southern Drawl to spit those bars, man. Just in his cadence, man. His cadence, you know, it's it's undeniable. You know what I'm saying? That's why I use him and Big Boy as outcast, as a collective, uh, as a loophole on my top five. Now, Yasin Bay. My God, man. Are you serious, man? You want to talk about God MC, bro? You know what I'm saying? Did you hear Black Star? Have you heard this man sing, man? Have you seen him riding down... Riding down Brooklyn, riding down Brooklyn, which happens to be where my guest is from. Have you ever seen him riding down Brooklyn with Dave Chappelle just freestyling in a car? Who does that? Have you ever seen have you ever seen both these brothers act? Man, so I know both of them are heavy influences on me. So we're about to get into my my guest. Yo, I am very happy to have him. Very honored, very privileged to have this man. This man has been a cornerstone in my theatrical career. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> um, and speaking of my theatrical career, Battle of the Books, June 19th. Don't miss it. Facebook Live, Zoom. Don't miss it. Okay? It'll be a live reading. You will have to put the story together in your mind, but it will be worth the time. That I promise you, okay? Because, yo, you got two new actors. You got my my little cousin, Amani Shanice Morris, whom I am so proud of. I'm so proud of. I'm just watching her get more and more and more, develop a flow, develop a pattern with it, and I'm just so proud of her. You got Prophet Jones. Yo, it's like the boy fits the, fits the flukers part very well. Then there again, and also you got Daphne Trevathan who brings her own magnetic energy to the part of uh, of Amy. You got Kay Barnes who is killing the game as Mrs. Watson, and then you got John Black, John Black, who I have been wanting to work with for years. Who I've already I've actually worked with him twice before, but yo. Never in the actor-director capacity. And I'm loving working with this man. He is so receptive. All of them are receptive to information and casting and direct. I mean, and directing notes. Yo, I'm loving this, loving this, loving this, loving this. I'm loving it so much that I used to think. I used to think that if I don't act in something that I write, that will feel like a that will feel like a loss for me. My people, I guarantee you, I do not feel like I've lost anything. I feel like I've gained something three times over. Maybe 10 times over. <clears throat> Watch us. Juneteenth. What's so special about Juneteenth, you wonder? Juneteenth is when slavery ended. For, well, we were emancipated from. Well, we were freed from slavery. You know what I'm saying? Because slavery is still very much uh, legal. 13th Amendment. Look it up. But... That's when we walked off them plantations. So, 
while we were on them plantations, we couldn't read or write. It was very much illegal. It was just illegal as killing somebody. Now, man, this play is about a working working class black family. And I think it's very important that I emphasize that they're working class. Then they're not black elite, they're not black bourgeoisie, none of that. They are working class black family. Not poor, not dirt poor, poverty or any of that. But working class. Teaching their daughter the importance of reading. There's a message in this. Lots of messages. So I hope y'all will join us. June 19th, 2020. Facebook Live, 8pm. Battle of the Books. Check it out. Now, y'all gonna find out who my guest is in the next segment as I read this man's bio. I guarantee you this is gonna be one of the greatest interviews that I've ever conducted in any way. Y'all keep it locked. I'm ADQ, and this is ADQ's Renaissance. Yo, 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 my people, welcome back to ADQ's Renaissance. I'm your host with the most, keeping it 100 from coast to coast, ADQ. Now, let's get into our guest, shall we? This man is a poet, actor, stage director, originally from Brooklyn, New York, BK Stand Up. This man has been writing since the age of 13. He's currently with the Soul Therapy open, open mic at Solas Nightlife in downtown Raleigh. He is the head of Bolt, building ongoing legacies together, a single parent mentoring program that teaches life skills and positive reinforcement to young men ages 8 through 16. Round of applause and snapping fingers for that. He has recorded numerous CDs, most notably the Love Notes 1 through 3 series dedicated to the art and appreciation of strong black love. My people, this man, this man is a cornerstone, not only of the theater community here in the Piedmont Triad, not only in the theater community in Brooklyn, but also in my own theatrical pad. This man has had the, this man has had the stone cold nerve, I mean stone cold nerve because I get on my director's nerves, the stone cold nerve to cast me in three plays. This man has supported me, me and my own individual art. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to ADQ's Renaissance, Ronald Lavender, AKA RL the Gifted One. RL, what up? What up though, what up, what up fam, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful over here, sweating and whatnot, enjoying this hot weather, how about yourself? Oh, yeah, the vitamin D is out there today. If you're out there, go get it. It's definitely a beautiful day, beautiful Saturday in the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? It is. Like, after after all this rain that's been taking place all week, it's beautiful to see the sun out. Yeah, yeah. It's been a dreary week. 2020 has been tough enough, but this was, this was a rough week, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see the sun out. It's a beautiful thing. It is. So, Aurel, first of all, thank you very much for coming through. Thank you for joining us and whatnot. You know, <clears throat> I was uh, thinking about all the things about you, all the things that you've accomplished and whatnot, and I put it up against myself, and I'm like, and I'm literally, and I'm seriously seeing 
a whole bunch of commonalities, right? Both of us, both of us uh, act, both of us, um, both of us do stage, uh, both of us have done stage work, even direct a couple stage things. Both of us can go toe to toe with anyone when it comes to sports, hip hop, even wrestling. You know what I'm saying? It's a beautiful thing, you know, be able to um, be in like with other uh, young, you know, young lines like yourself. You know, the art community is, you know, we're all closely connected of some sort of way. We either know poets, singers, MCs, DJs, um, hosts, there's somebody that we know, musicians, singers, we're all connected. You know, and we all end up working together in some form or fashion or probably supporting one another's um, events. So, so that's a beautiful thing as well. I agree. That's kind of like the renaissance that took place in Harlem, of which I patterned my podcast after. So it's always a beautiful thing. No uh, egos or anything. Just everybody coming together to create beautiful art to get us through the craziness that 2020 has been, like you just said. Yeah, I do miss um, being able to go to. I'm, I've seen a lot of people going live. I'm going live myself. I actually just hosted um, a virtual comedy uh, show for a church in Brooklyn. I did that a couple of weeks ago. So, it's, but it's been, it's still not the same. It's been uh, semi, you know, uh, satisfied. But uh, there's nothing like being in the presence of other artists sitting next to each other, hearing them live hearing live DJs, hearing the music, everything just in, in in that atmosphere, just being in that space or being in a cafe or a bar somewhere where the arts is being showcased or a theater where you, you're experiencing a live stage play. I do miss that. I can't wait till, <clears throat> I don't think we'll ever get back to normal, but some sort of normalcy where we can come together as, as, as one and just celebrate each other's talents. I do miss that. Me too, I miss it too. So yo RL, I got I want to ask you. So it says in your bio, you say in your bio that you started writing at the age of thirteen. Crazy thing right there. I started writing. I started writing at the age of fourteen. Real talk. All right. But but um but tell, take us all the way back to the beginning. Like what put that pen in your hand? Where did it all start for you, <laughs> girls? <laughs> Um, it was just a, it was just something that um I inherited from my father. My father, I'm a, I am a, a junior, <clears throat> so my my dad, um, it was a gift that he had. I didn't know too much about him because we weren't always that close, but it was my way of um, you know, of you know, you try to re- you know the old school. Do you like me? Check yes or no. I discovered I could um, express myself through words, and so I would you know try to. I would write poems to little girls all the time. I was kind of like Duck in um, uh, the Five Heartbeats. I was oh, wow, the Townsend's character. Yeah, I was the kind of write little notes, leave it, um, leave it in the book bag or something like that, or pass this to her. And so that's why I kind of developed uh, my early writing stages as a kid. You know, I, I hadn't been in any forums or writing groups or taking any writing classes. It was some. It was just something that came a little naturally to me. You know, so it was the gift from God so I, I'm grateful for that up for even that that birth you know to start from a kid just a you know goofy little uh, kid with, with no game I had no game but this was my introduction into you know just life I guess um, the, talking about life and just talking about things I had seen and experienced so from a kid I was always and I was very much into storytelling so 
I believe um, that's the basis of every great writer, MC, singer. If you can paint a picture for people, then your message gets across a whole lot better if you're a storyteller. You know, that's true. And, you know, when I read when I read your poems in preparation for uh, this for this conversation, when I read your poems. Yo, I was like, it was like many it was like many movies going on in my head and so you say that you have had no formal training in terms of writing or anything so it's just a gift that just came that just came to you right that just got better and better over the years right yeah it's taken some time i'm i still feel that i'm learning um i think hip-hop has been a high influence it's been a full influence on my writing i, I i'm i'm wu-tang big daddy kane ll Slick Rick, a lot of those guys, Jay-Z, Biggie, especially Jay-Z and Wu-Tang, Nas, Chuck D, <clears throat> those guys influenced, you know, my story to be able to paint something, a broader perspective from my side of my, my view on life, my experiences, what I've seen in the streets of, a lot of people say they do it for the culture, but I don't know if uh, anybody these days understand fully what culture is. Uh, our whole basis of living, how we act, how we talk, our slang, our speech, the way we eat, the kind of food we eat, um, the way we praise God, the way we even argue, our, how we try to back on girls and relationships, everything about the black culture and the black experience, you know, I've been able to put that on paper and and be, uh, and record as well. Even when I've done screen screenplay, I mean, uh, stage plays, I've been able to tell experience from my from how i've grown up how uh, what i've been able to deal with what i've seen what i've envisioned what i've dreamed and i um i i i, w I would like to say that I, I have i have a degree in literature and creative writing no my creative writing just came from my eyes and what i was able to put down on paper well you know well you know um number one number one speaking of someone who is four semesters away from his bachelor's uh you're saving you saved yourself a whole lot of money number one number two <laughs> some people i would say you don't even need a degree some people with a lot of people you just got like jay-z's the first ever you mentioned jay-z he's the first ever billionaire in hip-hop in hip-hop now he is the first billionaire where his degree at he ain't got one his degree is the hustle that he learned on the streets and whatnot but one poem that one poem that you had that um you um that I saw you perform once in person and on your live feed that you did a couple of weeks ago. Uh I forgot the title of it, but I know that you were using a whole lot of metaphor, a whole lot of hip hop metaphors. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm not sure. I think I think in all my poems, even in my my love poems, everything, my spiritual poems, there's always some form of uh, like I said, hip hop is a huge influence of the cadence, um, the direction, how it's presented. So I think I'm always kind of coming off as an MC. I've been told that that you, you know, RL used a lot of references. I caught some Biggie in there. I caught a little J in there, and I, I like that. That I don't sound like anybody else. But I, you know, I've only lived in North Carolina uh, going on 13 years. I've gr grown up in the East Coast all my life, so all I kind of a lot of my references come from that East Coast flow, that that attitude, that that rough uh, coming up uh, of building your life 
through the streets and 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 the knowledge and wisdom and and understanding of just being young and black and angry and not just angry but being aggressive trying to be a survivor trying to learn you know growing up without a father there's so many experiences that you go through that'll flow through your pen and it'll come out and it's a good way to express myself because i know a lot of young men who probably weren't able to express themselves and were angry and 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 oppressed on the inside and suppressed a lot of that pain and so being an alchemist a creator a writer i'm blessed to have been able to take the pain and all the experience i went through and to push it out through the pen and so I can have a, 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 a you know, a, that was my outreach. That was my way of tuning out the pain, tuning out the loss, tuning out all of the suffering I went through by putting it on paper. So a lot of guys weren't able to do that. And so those who can and are able to, you know, we are, it's a gift. It's a special anointing. And that's so why I'm appreciative of that, you know. Well, you know, <clears throat> you know I could, I could, I could, I could totally relate with that because I came from I came from a fatherless home as well. And I don't uh I know it's not all young black men, but I know there's a good number of us. You know, when we grow up, when we're growing up, we're trying to figure out the world. We don't have a man in we don't have a man in our life, our father. We don't have we don't have a father there to teach to show us the game, to show us how this thing called life works. A lot it's like our direct go-to is anger. And it's not anger like I'm mad at you. It's anger like I'm confused. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And that's why I think the... I, I, that's why I think for one... Well, two points. One, I'm glad that um, I'm able to use poetry as a tool to be able to express myself because there, there are a lot of young men who've never had that outlet. We've been told the men, you know, black men were always taught we're not supposed to cry. We're not supposed to show these emotions. We're supposed to be tough, and and, and you know we don't embrace those the intimate side of ourselves. We don't embrace the, the 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 a lot of pain and suffering. We hold everything in, and we suppress all that, and we don't know how to communicate in ways that able to really showcase who the real us. And we all a lot of men that are wearing masks. There are a lot of us that have that have that have been you know pushed down, and we we push back in a way of fighting and anger we join gangs we get in there's alcohol there's the mistreatment of our women and so you know i i try to use my my poetry and my my writing as a way of showing men that it's okay to to show your hurt to show your anger to show your pain to, to you know to be in that to be it's okay to be in that space it doesn't take away from your manhood and secondly um, being a mentor, that's one one thing I try to teach the young men that it's okay to cry, it's okay to be hurt, it's okay to, to let that to let that out because the outlet that most black men, a lot of black men have is through rage and through to, through violence, and, and you don't always have to take that route. There's a better way to take that route, and I think uh, th- you know there's just so many lost brothers out there who weren't able to have that ex- that free expression, and so. Um, you know, I, I guess for me, if I didn't have this pen, I don't know what I would do. I don't know where I would be. I wouldn't be the man that I am without this pen, without God guiding, guiding this pen. I don't, I, I, some of the stuff I would say probably wouldn't even be worthy or, or, 
or worth even opening my mouth. So I'm glad that I'm able. That's why I say I'm still a work in progress. Even at the age of 52, I'm still trying to put this pen and express it in a way that everybody can understand it. Well, <clears throat> first of all, I tell you the way I, uh, the way I see you moving it, moving it and shaking and whatnot, the moves that you make and stuff. Heck, even the way you look, heck, even the way you look and stuff. Fifty-two, you know, you make it, you make me less and whenever I see you, I become less and less afraid of forty. You know, forty is right around the corner for me. But I'm like, yo, this way you doing this way you doing at fifty-two. That that's making me less scared. <laughs> Well, I'm 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 trying to age gracefully, you know. Um, it's not an easy it's not an easy walk. You just have to try to eat right, live right, treat people right, and love yourself enough to grow. You know, age gracefully. It's it's, it's a process. Everything in life, being a man, being a black man, is a process. Just trying to you know, just trying to get get through this thing called life. I always think um, of this uh, scene and then the movie Notorious when Biggie first meets uh puffy and he said you know what you trying to do he said he said what are you trying to rap about he said i'm just trying to rap about an average nigga from brooklyn and he just said basically i'm just trying to figure out this life shit and i think that's what we're all trying to do um adq we're all trying to figure out life you know no one has it you can get all the degrees you can you can have the biggest preaching title you can be a bishop but you, at the end of the day, we're all trying to figure out this life thing. We're all just trying to figure out our women, our children, ourselves, our jobs. Um, we're, we're trying to figure out this education thing. We're trying to figure out the arts. Everyone's just trying to just figure this life shit out because of there. There are many of us that that think we that think we have it together, and then there's some type of situation, a trial that comes along that throws you in the way. That's a man. How am I going to figure this out? It's, it's it's always going to be like that. That road, there's no there's no smooth roads paved for any of us, and so we're all just trying to navigate to make sure we stay mature, we we stay sane, and most of all, we stay in a position where we're helping somebody else and we're not being selfish with the tools that got us where we're at, so that we can help other people um, navigate through this life. I agree. I agree because, you know, if someone was to look at the trajectory of my life, I'll use myself as an example. You know, there was once a point in time when I would say, yo, by the time I'm 30, by the time I'm 34, 35, 36, I'm going to be a college graduate, marry kids, stuff, but it didn't work out like that. And ADQ at 34 is completely, totally different from ADQ at 24 or ADQ at 24 is completely different from ADQ at 14. So I went from, yo, I'm gonna try to do, I'm gonna be this and that, the other uh, in 10 years to, I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to get through Saturday and uh, we'll handle we'll handle Sunday challenges on Sunday. That, that's why I do the mentoring thing because there's a lot of young men that's just, you know, just a little bit of basic life. A lot of these young men, they don't even have basic life skills and it's a struggle for these single moms to try to teach these young men um how to make it how to exp how to express their feelings how, how to you know be a responsible and you know a regular citizen and it's not always easy it's not easy I mean, you can be like I said you can be in your 40s and you're still trying to navigate stuff with some of us have had it easy some of us there are a lot of us that have it. and at one point or another there's always going to be something that's going to pop up and be a bump in the road and 
Some people will be in position to be able to handle it, and some people won't. At the end of the day, a lot of things that come in our life come down to decisions. That's why we always say everybody has always been in a position, ADQ, where they said, man, I could have handled this better, I could have done this better, or I could have said something a little better instead of saying it that way. And, you know, that's why we all got to get in control of our emotions because sometimes we we say things out of spite. We say things out of embarrassment and trying to save face and that we think we were able, we got it so together. This, everyone has made some type of mistake at one way or another. Trip bumped our head mentally <clears throat> and we're all just trying to get ourselves on, 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 get off that pedestal and get on a common ground where we could just figure this life thing out and put ourselves in a position where our families can see us as leaders as strong people and you know it's, it's it's a daily fight but you know you get through it and you you know it's every day it's not gonna be perfect but as long as you can get to the end of the day that's why i always say i'm a man people say how you doing man i'm just trying to make it to five o'clock if i can get through the work day and get home and get a hug for my children that's a success for me if i can just get a hug for my my daughters i'm good this you know I, for me i i don't i know i'm kind of rambling but for me, I'm just for me. Oh, no. I'm just try, for me, in the space I'm at now, I'm just trying to put myself in a position where somebody can see that I'm I'm trying to do good. You know what I'm saying? Because I know I've had some days where I didn't always do good. So I'm every day I'm trying to make sure somebody sees something good out of even the simplest little things. You know, so it's it's, it's a daily it's a it's a daily work. It's, no one just has it. Well, you know, I could just relax and chill. Every day you're working at it. You're working at doing better. Well, I could tell you. Well, I could tell you this, and then I'm going, and then I'm going to ask you about um, your migration down here. But I'm going to tell you this real quick. <clears throat> um, speak again. Speaking as a man who did not have very who did whose dad was not in the house, that has allowed me to. That has made me look at men, older men who were in my life, how they carry themselves, how they how they uh, live this life thing, whatnot. And take notes, and um, I'm sure you figured. I'm sure you already knew this, but trust me. Well, trust me. I look at you. I take notes. You know what I'm saying? You fit two. I'm thirty. You fit two. I'm thirty-four and stuff. You've been you've been doing this life thing uh, longer than I have. So, like I said, I'm looking. I look at you and I take notes. Um, now, what is it that what is it that calls your migration from book from Brooklyn down here? Because I'm gonna tell you this. Um, my uncle that I had first time I ever saw uncle was on you, right? Um, when I when I walk around here, when I walk around down here and stuff, living life, seventy percent of the population know what it is or know what it stands for. I mean, seventy thirty uh, percent of the population know what it is or what know what it stands for. When I was in New York wearing it and stuff, they knew it. They was like, "Yo, love that, love that uncle, Egyptian guys, stuff like that." So. Uh, what caused the migration from Brooklyn down down here to the Triad, and how and how has the adjusting phase been for you in the thirteen years thirteen years you've been here? I feel like I'm still adjusted. The the, the cause for the migration was my wife Audrey. Um, we had um, it was like my childhood sweetheart, and we um, met up again like 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 
15 years ago. It'll be 13 years I've been down here, and you could say we kind of, well, 14 years, about courted, courted again, you know, kind of met up again through Facebook at, the, at like, um, and started uh, conversing and talking, and, and, and that's what brought me down here, meeting, uh, marrying her and moving down here from New York. At the, the, the place I was at, um, it was, I was a lot of struggles. I was going through a lot. And New York was just, it was time for me to leave. You know, sometimes you can grow up in a spot and you can outgrow it. And I was outgrowing it. The art, art, the poetry scene wise, uh, friendship wise, it was, it was just time for me to get from away from there and start something new. Now, I didn't say it was easy and it still has been adjustment, you know, living down here, uh, a new church, new art scene, new everything. Everything was a quite of a, uh, an adjustment period. I still am adjusting to certain things, but as far as uh, the new friends and new experiences, um, theater has been a really big blessing in my life. That's been a, a big addition to moving down here, experiencing the, the art scene, the producers I've worked with as far as my my recordings, um, family-wise, even ministry-wise, even um, doing the mentoring, because uh, I did it briefly, but to have it rebirthed and to do it down here um, has been great. I think the biggest adjustment is, I guess, some of the, the eating places, the places places where you eat at, um, experiencing even something simple as a Walmart because we didn't have we don't have WalMarts up in New York, and so you know living in Burlington, we got two WalMarts. Had just getting to used to uh, driving because you know being from Brooklyn, I didn't drive. I was on a train or a bus every every day, and so driving all the time. Uh, the Southern hospitality, seeing how friendly everybody is. Hearing expressions, um, like appreciate that, appreciate it. You know, I, you know, yeah. The whole, the whole slang, the terminologies down here was all different. So it was a, it was a. Some things was an easy adjustment. Some things was a very hard adjustment. Family wise, was I probably was the most because all of my family was either in Brooklyn or in Philadelphia, which I'm where I'm originally from, and so that was um, that was the biggest adjustment. Not having a lot of family. And just being adjusted to my wife's family, adjusting to them, and them adjusting, learning me, and that, and going to a new church, that, and those customs, it was, it was a lot. But I've enjoyed it. I wouldn't change it for the world, especially with all the gentrification going on up in in Brooklyn and New York. I'm so glad that I, you know, that I'm living down here, in in the, in this area, in this nice quiet town of Burlington. I, I really enjoy it. So it's 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 been an adjustment, but it's been a it's been a great experience. I feel you, you know, um, when I was in New York, um, yeah, I got, yeah, I was only up there for like three days, three, four days, not nah, three days. Yeah, it was three days. Um, I walked up and down Manhattan. I know Manhattan is just a piece of it, but I've seen enough to know. I was like, nah, 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 I can't live here. I can't live here. Maybe in a small town, maybe in a small town outside. Of New York or very close to New York, but or maybe in Philadelphia, but New York, New York, but, nah, can't do but it. I wouldn't change absolutely not. Well, I, 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 that was that is the one of the greatest. That's what made me living in Brooklyn. The, the poets that I grew up with down, uh, grew up with the, the, the events I hosted, um, even the church I grew up with, those customs being around the people that I was with. That, that as much as I'm dying, everyone said my, my my language would change i would have a twang and all that i still talk like i'm from new york that you can never take that away from me that's probably still one of the best 
the best experiences for me is growing up in Brooklyn and the things and the events and the the, the things that I just just growing up as a kid. Um, it, it 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 made me it made me who I am. It made me as strong as I am. Um, so I will never I will never miss that. I will I'm never gonna forget that. I, I have to admit that. that that's something that's gonna stay with me forever. Growing up uh, uh, in Brooklyn, and so um, which which I kind of laughed at because people always say, oh. Oh, don't mind him. He's from New York. He's got that's that New York attitude, or and I, I'm proud of having that New York attitude, that New York way of talking, that New York way of thinking. You know that, you know, just um, having to just to always pay attention to certain things and how people react and how you know people, you know, even doing business. You know, I, I always have that strong mentality. So uh, that uh, that's that's something that's never going to change. Um, well, well, I would like to, I would like to say, um, southern folks got, southern folks have an attitude also, you know, we ain't no angels, just, we have attitude too, um, yes, we very much do, uh, we could get in that t- southern twang and cuss somebody out too, uh, it's not only the fast talkers, so, so tell me this, um, we're going, we're definitely going to get into both, because me and the author by the name of Reginald Williams, um, a few weeks ago had a powerful conversation about his book A Marginalized Voice in which he refers to uh, a lot of black boys or as we uh, or as people like me, you and him call call them young young kings how we are, how we have been like the most marginalized in, in, in his book he gives great analysis and personally I think that y'all two need to link up but before we get into that I want to know. I want to know. Like, um, you have po- you have poetry, right? All of the right, all of the writing that you did um, for yourself. You know, your 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 expressiveness and whatnot. So, at what point does did that? At what point did that translate into theater? How did theater come well, into your I've life? I always loved theater. Um, I actually um, directed a couple of plays for my church with the youth department at Greater St. Stephen's in Brooklyn. Um, shout out to the Eagle District. Um, um, that's, a, that's something that um, I was always um, involved in. But then I, I, had, I had stopped. Everything was just basically poetry. I had got fully into poetry. Once I got involved in spoken word and hosting and and, and performing out there, things that had been a little theater had uh, kind of fallen away. And so here, here when I got to um, North Carolina, one of the first thing I did was I went to a stage play, and that's where I met you. Um, you were in Peaches' play out there in uh, Winston Salem, and that's why I met. Uh, shout out to my girl Javetta Milton. Um, I saw her. Uh, you know the play we just did together. Uh, she was she was one of the stars of the play, and so I got to, I got a chance to go to a couple of plays, and so it, it was getting my trying to get my feet wet again with that. I wasn't trying I wasn't trying to audition. What happened was um, someone needed uh, someone I met saw me perform, um, and she asked if I would do a poem in a play that she was doing called Sight. And right, mm-hmm. right. Um, Tamika Allen, Tamika Allen asked me. So we're at the call club, and what happened was we're rehearsing. But a lot of the guys that was that were supposed to be in the scene, in one scene, they weren't making it to rehearsal. So I suggest I offered to 
just do a little reading. I said, oh, well, you know, it's in that person right here and all I'm doing is just one poem. Let me just go ahead and, you know, I'll do a, I'll be an understudy during the rehearsals. And then that just got my blood warm. And then from there, um, I started getting opportunities. Uh, someone that was actually in sight recommended to Arika Peterson, who ended up doing a, something with me called Mel Jones. And then from there, it just grew and grew. And then, of course, being at Call Clue, those opportunities from Angela, Miss Angela Tripp and Miss Miss Carrie, um, they opened doors for me to do uh, what we all want to do certain place. So it started from there, just from, just from filling in at a rehearsal, opened the doors to do a whole lot more. And then I just branched out a few years ago and, and I was also always in someone else's play. But that's when I ended up doing The Leftovers, which was my first written play. I hadn't written a play in over 20 years. And I did that in 2016, which was um, actually the anniversary of that was uh, last weekend. So, well, first of all, happy anniversary on that one. Um, I'm going to be, uh, hey, I'm going to be celebrating the anniversary of my play, you know, time uh, in September. On September 7th, I'm going to be like, hey, just a year ago, yeah, I put up my own piece. I was there. Um, Yes, and I greatly appreciate you being there. Just looking out to the audience and seeing everybody was there, you among them and stuff. That yeah, that was that was the greatest night of my life. Um, and you've been responsible for other great nights, like seven. Let me tell you something about seven. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about seven. Seven saved my 2015 theater year from being a total bust. Here's why it was a bust. Because I was supposed to do Othello in Winston-Salem, right? Anybody who knows their Shakespeare knows that you can't just up and jump into Othello. I didn't know this at the time. But it, it completely overwhelmed me to the point where I was stressing out and I ended up walking off the production and stuff. Now, they took that as me quitting, but I wasn't quitting. I just needed to go somewhere and get my head together. Because we were very underprepared and whatnot, and the, and the show was in two days. Now, I don't recommend anyone walk off. So I moved to I moved to Greensboro. I immersed myself in the theater department at Guilford College, but you know I'm itching to get back on stage and actually do something, right? Um, I was in a stage reading Moby Dick rehearsed, cool, but it was a stage reading over at Scuppernong Books. I wanted to actually act, act. You know what I'm saying? And you gave me that opportunity. Seven was my first Greensboro production. How, where did Seven come from? Um, I'm, man, I'm trying to really figure out what even. Oh well, um, I was doing some. Uh, there was a thing called the Youth on the Move conference that uh, my church, Greater St. Stephen's, was doing every year, and I'd always done uh, during the conference. I'd always they always allowed me to do a skit and I decided <clears throat> um, when I d decided to do like a big play I had this play called Versus and I had branched out from doing from the conference to doing uh, my first one of my first big plays was called Versus and this was one of the uh, like the finale skit and it and turned out to be like a short play so I wanted to do something on the seven last saying so I had researched the, the seven deadly sins the uh, the meaning scriptures I had done so much research to put this together 
And so um, I had, when I did it back then, that was like in the nineties. So I hadn't thought about doing that since, since I, since I, you know, got older and moved away and everything. And when I got up here, down here to North Carolina, uh, someone reached out to me about doing something called the Mercy Monologues. And they needed a drop. They needed a, a nice drama skit, and so I decided to uh, rebirth it and do it again. And that's how it ended up coming about. But I hadn't like done that skit and woof in over 15, 20 years. So it was nice to be able to do it again. I, I, I would like to do it uh, one more time again because a lot of people haven't had a chance to see it. So this is before I even did uh, the stage plays. Before I started um, directing stage plays. Um, to do this was like my jump start to get back into it so I was very grateful to do it and and that was and I was very great I was very grateful to be to be in it um I remember when I remember seeing black girl majestic we gonna talk about how you started back how you started to get back into doing the plays and stuff when I saw black girl majestic you know, I believe in giving you your flowers while you can still smell them. And here's your flowers, RL. Black Girl Majestic almost made me cry. Um, it, that was, um, I, I had been seeing, I guess, watching, um, there was so much on VH1 with the Housewives and the love and hip hop stuff. I was very disappointed to watch television. I'm a big avid television person. I know a lot of people don't watch TV. I'm into watching a lot of TV. I like a lot of dramas and comedies on television I'm really big on that but what I was seeing on television when it came to black women um they weren't they didn't have anything positive it, you know eight years of Michelle Obama doing that doing her husband's administration and there wasn't a lot on television that promoted strength and stability and maturity and spirituality and the black goddess there wasn't a lot on television about black women that was you know something that was potent that was that was something to encourage women so i decided to do a play that reflected what a real black woman is and so that's what that's where black girl majestic uh came from just to promote the beauty and the strength and to celebrate our women which which isn't often done in the mainstream media no it's not and <clears throat> and that uh and that and that thought as went with me, like you, I'm sure you, like I'm sure you saw it in my play. Yeah, you had, a, yeah, you had a black man who was struggling and stuff. But I also made sure to highlight the black, uh, a black woman struggle, and I had a black woman playing God. So definitely take a bow, sir. You, you have event, you have influenced, you, you. you have influenced my style. <clears throat> so, so tell me, so um, tell me this. How did you feel? How did you feel? See, I was in water. I was in water in the wine. Dope play, very dope. Another powerful message and stuff. But I want to talk about touch, not only because it was the most recent one, but because it was the most risque one. The one that Javel, uh, the one that Javel was in. What was your mindset while he was writing touch, that? Uh, um, it's something that I have been wanting. I have been wanting to do based on everything that have been happening with the Me Too movement and I wanted to do something based on I guess domestic violence and rape and everything that was happening with the R. Kelly case and like I said the Me Too movement and what I did was I was at an event 
Well, I was hosting Rhymes and Revolution for Keisha McCain for Artists for Justice at, at the Artist Block. And the feature happened to be um, Taranza Graves. Taranza, one of the dopest actresses and poets, poets I've known on the planet. She is just so amazing. She did a, a, a poem that kind of dealt with molestation uh, uh, and something that happened to her when she was young. And I had told her, reached out to her, told her that I wanted to do a play based on her poem. And <clears throat> I kind of took a back seat and didn't really deal with it for a while. I kind of left it alone. But then I, it, it was time for me to, to get ready to do a play again. And I decided to start writing. And that's where it came from. It was based, basically off that poem. And, and then actually I had a conversation with a young lady who shall remain nameless. She actually went through something that's similar to the play. Um, because the play is based off a young woman who was being, who had been molested and raped by her, sexually abused by her father. And so this young lady actually was going through some of the same stuff. And she, she revealed a lot of stuff to me. So I kind of used the poem and this young lady's, uh, what she went through. And that was the basis on the whole play. So I, I knew it would be risque. But it was something that we need to talk about, that we need to deal with, that in our community that's kind of taboo. We don't talk about molestation or rape or abuse or sexual abuse and and how some people downplay it, how people dismiss it, <coughs> excuse me, how people don't want to really uh, take it and, and, and deal with it head on. And so um, I, I, w- I was proud to do it. I, it was it, it, the cast was amazing. Uh, John Black, Nikayla Knox, uh, yourself, um, Carlos Simpson, Carlos Massey, Gerald, um, my man Gerald, uh, everybody that did, um, um, Hayden Crawford, uh, Charlie Brown, uh, Nick Darden, the entire cast was actually absolutely stupendous. I was so glad to work with them (laughs) and their willingness, Latanya Sims, their willingness to, to, um, to speak on the subject and with the language and some of the scenes that were really really you know really out there some might consider uh controversial but it had to be as realistic as possible so i I was i'm proud of of telling the story and the reaction that it that it got following and so many people that left that night um when you when you listen to the reactions the people that talked about it the one thing a lot of people said is that we needed to, that this needed to be uh, dealt with and spoken of. And so I'm glad that we were able to put it on the front, the front of everyone's consciousness and just openly talk about it, whether you agreed or disagreed with the topic. Well, well, it won't, it might have been risque to a lot to some people, but anybody who's like really <clears throat> excuse me truly delved into the theater scene into theatrical culture i mean theater is risque on a regular basis i mean that's theater and plus one thing that what you know one thing here's something else i realized one thing about you and tamika y'all have similar styles and also i see and also, I see a lot of Shakespeare, Shakespeare, in y'all styles because you look at because um, both y'all write plays that are like very monologue slash po- po- uh, poetry heavy, right? 
that was Shakespeare. And Shakespeare went to very, very, very uncomfortable places. Well, she's, that she y'all is do. a big influence. Shout out to Tamika Allen. Um, she's a big influence on on me as well as um, um, those who I've dealt with at at, at Coco. Erika Peterson, of course, Miss Carrie and Miss Miss Angie. Um, they've they've been positive influences on my writing and and being able to talk about the truth and embracing the truth and looking at it head on and not you know I don't I don't want to deal with uh, cutie fantasies I want to deal with 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 strong the full reality of things that we deal with in our community and I, I don't I don't like to back away from that I like to talk about it and I like a lot of my plays to be a conversation piece that's very important to me. So I'm gonna tell, so I'm gonna tell you something that you and Carlos and Carlos Massey, I told him this in our interview. There's something that y'all done. There's something that y'all done that made me mad. All right. Yeah, it made me very mad. What in the world? Why in the what in the world happened with CPR? I was excited for what y'all. What did he say in his interview? He said he said that you know he didn't like get too get too in depth because I didn't want to because I didn't want to get too much into it but you know basically just some sometimes yeah, when artistic it's, it's energies don't like jet. Um, just uh, he is my brother forever so me and him always work together like I said he was in touch he played the, he played the uh, the judge um, so it wasn't me and him it just uh, let's just say. Um, like energies, there's just some energies that just didn't match up, like he said, and um, it was it, it, it actually it worked better for the both of us because going our separate ways allowed <clears throat> us to actually go in certain directions and doors open up be, to be able to do a few other things. But me and him, we we tight brothers for life. That's that's my big brother for life. So um, it, it's a shame that we couldn't keep the group together, but. Who knows? Maybe another time it'll be able to uh, happen. But it just was something that just wasn't meant to be, and you just have to leave it, you know, leave it as such. And understand it was a good thing when it happened. It just, yeah, it was a good thing when it happened. It just didn't, it, it just was. didn't work out, you know. So, like we, he and I, we, I think that's just, uh, we, that's just something we both agreed not to really uh, talk about because there are other people involved. And so we don't want to um, leave it as a thing where people would think well, we're, uh, they're being crybabies about it, you know. So it's, it's best to leave that where it's at. Yeah, we'll leave that. <clears throat> we'll leave that where it's at. Um, we'll leave that where it's at. Um, so tell me this. Tell me this. Uh, one thing One thing that I noticed about your plays, con- uh, continuity-wise, is... Um, you see different people and stuff, but you see, but you also see a lot of the same people sometimes. What's your casting process like? How do you choose people for different roles? Um, for me, I think it's basically um, knowing knowing your knowing the people that you've worked with, seeing them in other productions, seeing them um, perform, the familiarity, the respect that they have for you as a director. Because they ha- we had you got to have that relationship that you can be able to be directed as well as uh, uh, knowing 
with talents, I, not just just being director, but as a director, knowing okay, this is the type of person they can they can handle this type of role. And actually, I've worked with some people just for like when, with with Touch, Carla Simpson, John Black. I worked that was working with them for the very first time, but with people like Michaela Knox or Carlos Massey, I've directed or Hayden Crawford, I've directed them before. And knowing their talents and knowing they fit in is just kind of and working, being in place with them. You know their energies, you know their commitment, you know uh, what they bring to the table, and so you. It, it, the casting thing is, is just it's all it's a spiritual thing. You gotta know who would be right for this role. Who would be who would fit in this like Gerald Carter playing Mr. Um I hadn't worked with him before, but I've seen him and I had seen him in plays and in some uh, independent films and being able to knowing the character that he had to play. Um it just it it's I don't know, for me it's just a feeling. It's just a feeling. It's 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 just, it's it's a it's a it's a feeling that I, I can't that's i guess that's as bare as i can make it bare minimum it's, it's just a feeling there's some people that you know they will be perfect for the role how, how and you've seen them in other roles before and you know what could be challenging and what couldn't and like i said you know their commitment and their personality as well and um like i said this is the part when i'm rambling and then for me it's just i guess basically it's just a feeling that I, my process is Javetta I had never worked with before well she had a minor role in Black Girl Majestic but she hadn't had a lead role before so so this one was something that was magic I I, I built this place I wrote the place specifically to work with her so when I wrote it I always had her in mind so I've had people in mind to work with before but it doesn't always work out like I've had people where I've, I've cast and then they end up they end up not being able to be in the play or backing out, which was a big disappointment. So for me, it's um, it's 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 always timing. You got to catch them at the right time. How busy folk are, and it's not just the timing; it's also just a, a certain feeling, just knowing who will be right and who can handle uh, certain roles. Because some people may not have a big role. ADQ, they may just have. Um, they may not be the lead. They may just have like, okay, you're only going to be in one scene, but I know they can make a certain impact and make that scene so powerful. Okay, they will be perfect for this play. And, you know, there are people that can handle that. Some people that can, some people that can't. So. When we did Water, in, when we did water Into Wine, I learned a very valuable lesson there. A valuable lesson that I should that I should have learned a long time ago. And I learned you can either stand on stage and talk a lot and not even be saying anything, or you can make or you can make um, a moment. You can make uh, you can have an effective you can have an effective moment. So when I was in Water in the Wine. I was the I was him, baby daddy. I only had like one line. I got on stage and you had to like coach me and uh pray. I'm pretty sure a lot of prayer for patience went into it. You had to coach me into like, yo, get all up on Terraza. It's all right. And I'm like, I'm scared. Man, you did all this that you done, man. Get up on Terraza. Um, but but it was a moment because it was kind of like a turning point of her story. She came, she met baby daddy, baby daddy gave her a baby, baby daddy bounced. Now, her story turns into, I'm a mama now. 
And what I had to tell myself is, even though I only had that one line, oh, the presence, oh, the physical, the physicality and whatnot, it was a very integral part of the story. Well, every part matters. Every part matters. You well, that's what that's what I got from it. Or you could be the lead. Everybody, everybody's dream is to be a lead or a co-lead. But if you if you could, you know, the participation, it doesn't matter. You still have to have a commitment. You still have to, like I said, you and you're absolutely right. There are people who have had a ton of lines in a play, and they were very unforgettable. But you can also, as you can see, like John Black scene as corruption and when we did touch it was a very impactful very powerful scene all the scene with the thug dudes on the corner on on when they were on the corner everyone talked about charlie brown everyone talked about kareem everybody talked about nick those three guys on the corner that would they were um you know that was slut slut shaming uh the lead character everybody you can always have an impact in a small part it's how you deliver it's how you present yourself. It's all about stage presence. There's a lot of people that look good in music videos <clears throat> and can't sing a lick live. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so it did. You know, there are a lot of people. Everything sounds good. Um, everything sounds sounds. It's like easier said than done. It's very easy to take a lead role and get a lot of lines and break it down and 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 be impactful. But it it takes a whole lot to take a very small role even if it's just a couple of lines and make that something that people remember that oh man that when you coming from at the end when you're talking to the, the theater goes they're like oh man you were really good man that, that was a good scene good scene good job and it's, it's up to you it's it, you know and i think people should challenge themselves to not just always have a lead role but to have a um you know a supporting role where maybe it's just one scene or maybe two scenes where you're just you know you're 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 very present you're not just there just to be there, so. I took that mindset, I actually took that mindset with me um, into another piece that we worked on together. Um, and this is actually the most recent one, but that's another story. In which you, I gotta give you, I gotta, I gotta applaud you for this. You um, approached the idea of being a gay man way better, way better than I did. And which, and which production was this? Oh, okay, okay, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but that's another story. The one that, yeah, the one um, that. Uh, I, 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 you know why? Because I think a lot of times when you look at uh, plays and black movies, the homosexual character always comes off as this um, flamboyant, flashy, loud. You know, but go to uh, the movie Philadelphia with Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks played a gay guy who was um, suing his company with firing him because he had, you know, he had contracted AIDS. But he wasn't flamboyant. And, you know, hey, girl, you know, we always, especially with black movies, they always make the gay character. There's always somebody that works in a salon or some side kid. Everybody, everybody makes the person who's gay has to be like this outland this character a spectacle when there are a lot of guys who are who are regular regular men who have regular jobs they you know I, and I think that's a, a knock a bad knock on the gay community when it comes to theater and so the the character I create you know I created well not I created that um that Jackie Harris created for me uh, the Livingston character um I was 
you know, at one end, I see, I don't know if it was, I don't know if he was more down low, but he was just someone that I embraced. I embraced it. it's the first time I ever played a role like that, but I embraced it as someone who would be not as flamboyant, but be just yeah. I was in a relationship with a man, but you know, it wasn't something I was I was afraid of. I just made it a character that that you could kind of see. Okay, he you you kind of see that he's not afraid to be to admit. Okay, I'm gay. And this is how I'm living because I don't think people that are gay should be ashamed of who they are. That's your preference. That's your lifestyle. But I think in theater, when it comes to the to um, to to gay, trans, whatever, I think they shouldn't. People shouldn't try to always make them to be so over the top, ridiculous. It doesn't always have to be like that. It doesn't. They're just as normal. Their normalcy. It may not be your normal, but they're just as normal as anybody else. I completely, completely agree with it. I would, I totally agree with it. Absolutely, and um, and yeah, I think that I think that when we portray, I think that when they're portrayed as being the loud, flashy, flamboyant one who is all over the place, that's actually doing a disservice to them. I mean, it's almost equal to every time you have a black guy on the scene and stuff, he's some, he's a thug. So it's. So yeah, um, you can't generalize people like they. It's it's uh, you can't generalize people like that. It's you know, different people. So, so as we let's see, as we're almost at the hour mark. Now I got now you gotta tell us about Bolt. Where where did the idea for Bolt come from? What was the? I feel like I know what's motivation, but I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. How did Bolt come about your life? Because I'm gonna, because I'm gonna give you some more flowers. Bolt, uh, I am very, I am very grateful that Bolt even exists. It is something that I wish that I had when I was younger. Um, I could see a lot of boys benefiting from it. And thank you for introducing me to Tony Mack. Prophet Jones is now in my in my play, Battle of the Books, June nineteenth, Facebook Live, eight p.m. So plug. Anyway, Bolt is incredible. Where um, did Bolt come from? Where Where did the conception of Bolt come from? From um, um, from try old school. Um, someone had actually put a meeting together called Save Our Sons, this young lady. And all the men that came together, and we and I guess the the it was just a basic conversation with another gentleman about, uh, like I said, I, I had done mentoring when I was in New York, but I hadn't done it in years. At you know, and then I did it a little bit at my church, and then I kind of fell away from it, which is my fault. I'm not going to make any excuses. Um, Val Boston really pushed for this that we should um, get together, and we had called it Boys the Men at first, but then we changed it. To, to Bolt. So Bolt was really the idea of Val Boston. I have to give him credit for that. <clears throat> and um, it was, it was it, I guess basically the need is where it's at. Everywhere I go, anybody I know that are actresses, there are people that I know that are poets, a lot of them are single moms. And, and in my church, even in my church, there are a lot of single moms. And I think the need is that um, in, our, in our community, there has been a falling away, whether it's been crime or the prison system or just just uh, just not wanting to be there, which is unfortunate. 
the fathers aren't haven't been around and so i being a product of someone who's grown who had to grow up without a father i know what it's like and i just think you know the, the young men of today the skinny jean youtube generation they need basic life skills or how to tie a tie how to iron a shirt um how to say yes man no man cleaning up your room being responsible most of all respecting their mothers and so um and basically talking with other people i just saw there was a need because women were asking about it you know maybe somebody should start a, a mentor and there are a lot of mentoring programs out in the greensboro area like botso there's a lot of other people that are doing mentoring but i saw the need and i i had a couple of willing brothers who wanted to um volunteer to do it and so we just started having uh, a couple of sessions and then we turned into a, a monthly meeting and now it's branched out where i do home visits and visit the school and we try to get school supplies and you know clothes for christmas you know a lot of other things um it's just branched out from that so like i said all of credit goes to my man val boston because it was mainly his idea and it's a beautiful thing the way you know i've said i say on a few bolt sessions um the way you talk to those boys the way you want to apologize to them and whatnot yeah i've seen you make a few of them cry but you know what I, they they need they need to share those tears and get rid of that false bravado i remember uh a new boy uh a, a new boy that you have current that you have taken up on you your wing uh robert right when I first met him, when I learned about him, when I was just seeing him talk and stuff and how after violent he is and how hard-headed he was being and how mad he gets, you know, I knew that I knew the parameters of my of my position. I knew there were some waters that I could not that I could not cross. So I said, you know what? You were the first person who came who went through my mind. I said, you know what? I need to get him and RL connected. RL could do uh, having RL in his life could do him a world of good, and so that's how effective you've been. Because every single time, every single time I come across a young man who is troubled in some sort of way and stuff, I'm like, "Yo, I'm sending him to RL." So that's how uh, that's how effective Bolt is, and I'm glad they exist and. I know that I know that CEOs, Fortune 500 CEOs, politicians, that is uh, game changers, all made that a promise stuff, to a lot of these going to come out of the boat program until they walk across that stage and get their college degrees. You know, and um, it's been it's been very rewarding. And I'm not here to take credit because I'm I'm not um, a psychologist. I am not uh, a man with three masters and this and that and early education anything like that i'm just a simple young man who knows what it's like not to have a father to grow up angry and not express myself and so we're just we're just um i tell them moms it's nothing that i'm doing i'm just enforcing those specific rules they have for their homes for their sons and so i'm we're just being a help we're just being an assistant you know we're just helping them god god like i said for, like i said at the beginning of the interview just trying to help them figure out this this life stuff and it's not an easy path it's not an easy it's not an easy walk but it, it's it, it's made easier when they know that they have someone in their corner and i'd rather them be fussed out by me than be fussed out by the judge and i think um we need more mentors 
in the home. We need more mentors in school. We 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 need more mentors on the block, more than just the OG. You know, and a lot of us grew up with an OG, someone to kind of tell us and help us out. Uh, it was a guy named Jay Carter and Warren Johnson were the OGs that kind of got me straight and kept me out the street. So I want to be available and I just want to be present in their lives and do the best I can to let them know how special they are, how important they are. And it's so, it's, it's so, and making them cry, that's not something I'm trying to do. It's just that the emotions that kind of come out in some of the sessions with trying to deal with a mother and rules and regulations and listening and then some of them are just they cry because some of them are spoiled some of them are lazy some of them have that i'm gonna do what i want to do they're defiant and that's normal with young men at a certain age but i'm glad that we're getting them young because we're getting them at 9 10 11 years old because you know trying to get them at 14 15 trying to get to someone when they're a teenager when they think they know a little something they got a little hair on their yellow hair on their balls and they got they got little girls looking at them and they got they got they got an iphone or android you can't tell them nothing but you get them when they're nine ten years old where they're sponges and they can soak up everything and they're willing to learn it 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 makes it it, it's a more successful program so i i I love dealing with these young men they're my heart i love i love them and i love the relationship i have with them and i'm grateful to all of the mothers who have opened up that door for me to just come in and just just do my little one percent just to help well your one percent well i will say that your one percent is highly highly incredibly definitely 100 percent effective and these boys are going to look back are going to look back at their lives when they are on that stage when they're in that boardroom when they are doing everything that they're supposed to be doing in life they're gonna look back at you and they're gonna be like, oh yeah, what would I have been without without uh, Mr. Ron? So, so as we start as we start to wrap as we start to wrap this up, one thing that I gotta talk to you, one thing that I gotta talk to you about, one thing that we de- one thing I definitely gotta talk to you about. We both have a love for hip hop. You know, hip hop is hip hop is culture. Hip hop is more than music. Hip hop is culture. How you live, how you do things, how you act, how you how you how you just matriculate through society and whatnot, right? Um, <clears throat> please give your commentary on um, today on today's okay. uh, hip hop music. It's, it's everything is isn't for everybody. There's there some people that like a certain amount of type of hip hop. For me, there's I like I, I guess and I'm not stuck in it, but I like the old school cadence of the of the you know, give me a JD kiss, give me a Nas, give me a J, give me a give me a Buster, give me a Ludacris. Um now nah, J. Cole I can rock with. I like this dude Benny the Butcher. I like Joe Ortiz. I like Royce the Five Nine. Um I guess um some of the uh, hip hop is it's okay. Like I said, it's 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 all up to your preference and what you like. So I'm not gonna say the hip hop. I just think we could do more than talk about strippers, Percocet, you know, uh, I got money and you know, the murder death kill. Even though there was someone that was talked about back in the days. I just think in our consciousness, in the stream of consciousness, there's so much happening with 
like what just happened with this Aubrey young man who was murdered in Atlanta, uh, what happened with Mike Brown, everything that was even the YouTube move. There was so much that that a lot of our guys like you just can't leave it to J Cole and Kendrick to talk about. There was so much more for a lot of uh, today's rappers or, or so-called MCs to talk about, and they don't do the commentary. They don't guys don't tell stories no more. And that's just my personal opinion. I don't feel a lot of guys tell enough stories. They don't talk about what's happening in the community as far as police brutality. They're not talking They're not talking enough about, you know, about winning, about being successful. Uh, everyone's talking about getting paid. But that's not, that's not always winning. That's not always su- successful to me. So I think there's an imbalance in the music. And so I, I feel sorry for th- this generation of young uh, these young guys of, of of our babies because they missed out on a true generation of real storytellers, real lyricists, real guys who really broke down some some hardcore troops. And so I, this is hip hop was a whole lot better for me, but I'm not going to knock today's. I just feel they aren't telling enough stories. They won't talk about the truth. They won't deal with what's happening. Really, what's happening in the streets? You know, we. we you know, it's, it's 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 okay. It's just not for me. You know, um, I think that I think you kind of cover. I think you kind of cover a little bit of that in your poem that you sent me. Uh, I don't know the title of it, but it does say RL twenty eighteen, and um, the line where you say you uh, let's see, let's see. I'm going up. So come on in. There's plenty of room for you and your petty excuses. Ignorance, the supreme language of the populace. Do not fear. We will think. We will think for you. Tell you how to act, how to dress, how to feel. Ghost write your testimonies. Fake it till you honestly believe you have somehow made it. You've been chosen by a panel of the elite. The class system is set up. I believe that 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 pertains to. Um, a whole litany of people, but it definitely pertains to today's rappers. Ghostwriting, how uh, the the major labels will tell you how to feel, how to dress. Yeah, they I, will I think, do, they um, will uh, make <clears throat> you up how they want well, you to most people be. Uh, would you Would you agree with it? A lot of people going independent, um, but that I think that's always the part of today's society telling you how to feel, what to feel, how to dress, who to like, who not to like. Like we have this new term, canceled. <clears throat> excuse me cancel culture i think that's one of the most hilarious things i've ever heard you can't can't you can't cancel people i know this is this is a time of just being totally popular and everybody wants to party and bullshit but um there's more than just partying I, but but there is a young there's a generation that's that is fighting for education there's a young generation that is that is part of a, a, a movement that's against police brutality there's a lot there's a lot of there are a lot of independent, strong, powerful young people that are out there fighting for justice, that are fighting for the rebirth of real hip hop, that are fighting for uh, reparations. They just aren't talked about in the mainstream media. You only want it. They only want to show the ignorance. They, they only want to uh, bring separation. You, you, you'll never hear about that. So it's just something that we in our own community, we have to pr- promote. We have to talk about. We have to celebrate because the mainstream is never going to talk about that. I think we should not even have the expectation that mainstream media and music is not going to talk about anything that's about 
the village and how we should be brought up and about our power and, and about this generation. I don't think the generation is lost. I think they're just misguided and they they just um, got off the ramp. They, you know, they, they're going through side streets. They don't know about the main freeway of, of information that talks about our history, that talks about our greatness. And, and I just think um, it needs to be spoken about more, you know. I just think it's the, the youth. The, we have the youth. Are, the youth are fine. There are a lot of strong, powerful, anointed, gifted, talented youth that that are that are getting the education. They're starting their own businesses. They're 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 creating great content. It's just not talked about enough. We want to talk about the housewives. We want to talk about love and hip hop. We want to talk about who's pregnant and who's mad at who, who's beefing with who. We're not talking about coming together. We're always talking about the falling apart. That's just how society is set up. That's why that, that poem is like that. That's what I'm really speaking on. I'm talking about um, that the negative is more popular than was than what's not um, that people coming together and and building <laughs> building worth and building. Um, everybody's talking about rich about, about getting rich, but no one's talking about wealth. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody's talking. Everyone's talking about they know it all, but no one's talking about education and information. That's all. Yeah, I agree. That's why if you that's why um when if that's why if you put like a black star most definitely quali you put a black star album in front of me and amigos album in front of me. I mean, you know, I am part of the I'm I, I am like in the middle of both generations, right? Yeah, I'm going with Black Star, 100%, 100%. So, 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 Ariel, I gotta ask you a favor. Uh, you mind if I take, you mind if I take filtered, your poem filtered, and uh, we're signing for this girl trying to get with it, cause yo, from the filtered Bro- the is Brooklyn, so dope. Um, North Carolina album. Um, no, filtered, was, filtered was just um, celebrating the real beauty of women. Uh, the one with, who don't want to, who not, I, I guess I, I see so many um, young, beautiful black women on Facebook and they, they do the filters on there. They don't want people to see the little blemishes and, and if you're, they're real dark skin, they make themselves lighter. And I, I don't think that should be the case. I, you know, I think the black and the beautiful, the darker, um, show you, show yourself without the makeup, show yourself without the highlights and, and the phone filters. And, and, and I, I think, black beauty is so natural it's so original it's so authentic it is so glorious i think the the a black woman's face is a work of art and i don't think they should have to take your phone and color it up so that's what i'm saying i'm celebrating you know beauty without maybelline and revlon and all that and and foundation if you, if you just be able to show yourself fully you know that, uh, and re, you know that that revelation. But but I think that's sexier than than. There's nothing wrong with wearing makeup and all that. I'm not knocking that down. People, please don't take it the wrong way. I'm just saying. Um, I I I hate the phone filters. I just hate when with women because that's not. I've seen some of my Facebook friends. When I see them in person, they don't look like the picture. They they just uh, put on. They post it on there, and so I and, and I understand. We all we all have our. Um, we, 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 we all have our 
uh, self-conscious about something, but I don't think you, black women should be self-conscious about just how beautiful and, and naturally beautiful they are because everyone else is trying to be like you. They inject themselves and get in all types of operations to look like you. So there's something you should not change because you feel a little, you feel a little sensitive about because you mm-hmm. have a, maybe have a, a, a bump or here, you know, something and, you know, you, you, you don't have to knock, you know, if you need Noxzema or a certain soap and all that black soap, that's fine. I just don't think the 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 making yourself disport disproportionate from who you really originally are when we see you. I don't think that's necessary. I just think your natural beauty is is just the essence of of life, and it's nothing like seeing a beautiful black woman without you know. I'll, let me see you with your stretch marks and your scars. Let me let me see you without the makeup. Let me see you who you really are. Who? Let me see who I want to. This is who I want to wake up to. This is that's that's the desire every day to see that pure beauty because there's nothing like it. And you can't you can't recreate it. You can't you can't duplicate it. They can you can't come up with anything else. Scientists can come up with all. They can clone everything. You can't you can't clone the beauty of a black woman. You just can't. There's nothing like it. No, you can't. You can't. And I will. Uh, I will admit. Uh, uh, currently, I am trying. I am pursuing a woman, black woman, of course. She's she's mocha. She's like mocha complexion, brown skin, and whatnot. Man, she wears that mocha and it's fine, uh, incredibly too. But if for whatever reason it don't work, I hope it does work. But if for whatever reason it don't work. I'm gonna be looking for I'm gonna be looking for some chocolate because I love me a dark skinned woman. Oh man, you grown? Do do you? Thank you. Because I'm getting tired of you picking me picking on me about being single. I'm <laughs> I'm playing, but um, also yo another poem another poem that I've been privileged to read, man. And I'm a proficient reader, right? I've been I've been good I've been great reading ever since I was two years old, but when I was just reading this and like trying to like sound, read it out loud and whatnot, the way you put these words together, I'm like, dang, it was scientific. My I, my tongue was twitching, my teeth were my teeth were shattering a little bit. This poem, gone I felt it. You know, I, it made me think about all of my um. All of the times that I've uh, had encountered, yeah, if you um, if you um, actually Pop go on to the block, my uh, SoundCloud, you can hear. This, uh, I think Pop the Block is on there. It's from, like I said, my latest project that I did from Brooklyn, North Carolina. Um, I did with uh, Sharita Williams, one of the dopest producers out, and that was um, a very important. That was a very important piece. I think um, it, I, I like to talk about I won't say current events but I like to talk about what's relevant what we're dealing with and as you see what just recently happened with the young lady in Kentucky and with the young man in Atlanta um the, the relationship between law enforcement and the black community is probably one of the most fractured relationships and so um I think it's, it's important that <clears throat> excuse me that we always be aware and conscious of how we're treated, how we're disrespected, how we're hunted down, how we have the mark 
and target on our backs and our fronts and not just our men our women our children it's it's it's, it's a sad commentary on this relationship so i'm one of those people that personally i will admit i have a hard time hearing the term there not all cops are bad i just and it's like I, it's hard hearing that every time i turn on the news or look on look on in the paper and i'm seeing that someone else has been cut down by law enforcement for no apparent reason and then how i talked about the young people being misguided and getting on the getting on the off ramp and going through the side streets if you look at the poem toward the end you know we're only concerned we'll get in line to for hours and hours to buy 250 pair of jordans but we will not go and protest police brutality we won't we won't you know register to vote we won't do the things necessary in our community you know and i'm not saying all but there are a lot of us who are distracted by that you know they're cutting us down in the streets and we're only concerned about shoes and there's this whole there's so much more that we have to wake up to because we're constantly at war and if we don't get ourselves prepared you know the next thing you know we'll you know our eulogy will be next we're they'll be spray painting our name on the wall r.i.p you know so we have to be aware that it's more than just just having a good time and having a party and getting a new pair of jays there's a whole lot more going on that we you know and uh, and i'm not one of those people that says when it comes to police brutality oh do, 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 what about the black on black crime we can have two those are two separate conversations that we can't have at the same time. But I think we need to know that the laws are not never set up to protect us and keep us, it's very imbalanced. And so that's why Pop the Block was written to talk about the imbalance of what's going on in our communities when it comes to law enforcement. You know, uh, I'll say this. I used to be one of those people who would say, who would see uh, all the Black Lives Matter uh, hashtags and say, well, yo, they radio silent whenever Black people are killing each other and stuff. But it is a different thing because it's a different thing because when it's Black people killing each other, that's 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 trauma. That's a tragedy. It is. But that's off of a per. That's off of a personal. That's off of a personal disagreement or of whatever sort. When you have police brutality taking place, those are agents of the state. Those are people who our tax money pays and compensates taking out unjust, unjust mm. murders on us. Basically, I'm paying you to kill me. Now, when... Now, when it comes to joys, I say this. I say this. How, what? How? How more economically stable will we be as a community if we focus less on those I just those think there's so many more conversations that need to be had. Our money together and start, and start taking care of our agendas in order because there's so many things we need to we need to work on together as a community. The voting process, uh, uh, demanding our rights um education uh, law enforcement there's so many things you know and 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 as far as the financial aspect pulling learning to to, to you know to pull, pulling these monies together so that we can um 
you know, supporting black business, starting black business, refinancing. There's so many things from the financial aspect that we've had to, we've got to, we've got to get together on. on. So I, that's like another, another, let's say that's another story. That's another, another story. There's so many agendas that we got to, you know, I, I, I say it all the time when it comes to our community, our stuff sinks too. You know, we talk about on the outside, outside sources and problems that are affecting us. There's, there are things within the community, within the village that we've got to straighten out and get right too. And so we got to get that focus to the point where, but like I said, there's so many agendas and everyone has, we got to learn to agree to disagree while we're trying to put this whole thing together for us in order to, to make it work. It's gonna, it's gonna. I don't know when we're gonna come together, but we gotta start coming together, and stop dying while we're coming together. You know, we gotta stop killing each other while we're coming together, and figure out that there's a plan put in place for us to set up for us to destroy ourselves and take our men away from, take our men away from the homes, take our men away from the community, and let the women suffer for themselves. We, you know, there's a lot of growing up that we gotta do, and you know, it's gonna take some work, but. But in the same time, I love us. I love my people. I love our skin. I love our language. I love our cadence. I love our swag. I love our talents. I love our power. I love our preaching. I love our acting. I love our rapping. I love us. We are such a mighty race. And it's just getting us to all realize how mighty we are and how we can all help one another. Even though we have different ideas, all those ideas can come together and build us up to be greater. But, you know, it's just we just all gotta we all gotta come we all gotta come together in order for that to happen I greatly agree I greately agree um one I agree 100% so yo RL as we start to bring as we start to bring this to a close what what does the future hold for RL what is it Oh, how um, would you like to how would right you like to see the rest of your twenty twenty go? And how um, is like the rest of your twenty twenty going to go? I want to get out, get through this healthy. My friends and their family members healthy. We've had so many losses, family wise, friends wise, coworkers. Um just um I just want to get through it in a positive manner. Um I'm not right now, I'm just I'm I guess I'm in that taking it one day at a time stage. As um, you know, as we're we're on lockdown and quarantine, even though they're opening up things, I'm just right now just trying to make sure my girls are healthy and and safe, that the family as well. Um, and I'm just want to spend the rest of building content, continue writing, working on some new things for 2021. I think my 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 view is more pushing towards 2021 because I have some um um some I have some objectives that I, I'm trying to finish out and take care of and so I'm I'm not trying to reveal it right now there's a lot of things going on so I would say just look more for me in 2021 I'm hoping that if we can before this year I can get back to hosting I miss hosting back at Solar's Nightlife I, I, I miss my crew my family out there shout out to the Joy Connected people um, DJ DDS and my homegirl Kim Nicholson all the family out there in the RDU I'm ready to get back to work to that hosting again, going to events and supporting others and being inspired. That's what I mainly want to do. 
I'm just trying to get, I want to get to some events so I can be inspired to write some more to spit some more to create some more because I do have some things in mind that I want to do but I know it's not going to happen until 2021 because I got like I said I got some objectives I'm trying to finish and I'm actually working on a project right now that I'm really not going to talk about until I'm ready to reveal that so right now just health balance rest and and just being motivated and just one thing telling you know just loving all others and supporting others who are out there working right now that you know that do have the opportunity to put out content well rl uh well rl i was gonna say this i still remember last year um i was walking down i was walking down davy street you know i think i was dressed pretty well looking good looking good and stuff um i'm nervous because this is my first ever opening night at it was my first ever opening night as director um i look to my right i see you i'm like yo all right what up um uh what you doing here and stuff? And you say, I can't see you. And I greatly appreciate that. You can't, you saw, you can't see for the crowns to support me and you can't see time. So I greatly support, I greatly appreciate that. And, and also I want to publicly say this too. Uh, while um, directing time, I had, I had one person, I had one lady quit on me and one girl I had let go because <laughs> Two weeks before the show, she was hungover, couldn't even make it to rehearsal. And while I was doing, and while I was directing Airbnb, I had a lady uh, quit because she didn't like my director style. So first times, I apologize for any time I was uh, being the being the male diva in my feelings and stuff and tough to work with. Because now I see it from your side. Make more punch well, like I said, We all just trying to figure out this life thing. It's, we're all. We're all all the work in progress. I don't know about you, but I stay under construction and I keep my scaffolding up because I'm trying to build me up and mature more and grow up more and learn more. I have I don't know it all. I I, I do not know it all. I know I probably know forty percent of it and I'm trying to I'm building on trying to get that sixty percent so I can go further and I can um my, my children can look at me and see that their father is doing something positive and consistent. So that's all that's what it's all about. So before, so before we go, two things. Number one, number one, if somebody wants, if somebody want to like get access to any of your love note CDs, book you for a poetry gig, have you, uh, have you write their, uh, write um, a play, um, a story of theirs, or just tell you how dope of an artist you are, or bring their kids your way and stuff. Um, How can they get in contact with Poet Lavender on Facebook? You can reach me at Gifted Poet on Instagram. Um, Email rlavenderjr at gmail.com or bkgifted at yahoo.com. Yeah, I know some people still do Yahoo. Or um, if you want to hear some of my uh, poetry, you can go to SoundCloud. It's RL slash THA slash gifted slash the number one. RL the gifted one. So look me up on SoundCloud. You'll hear uh, my latest stuff. And that's just basically it. Um, I don't have, I don't 
do Twitter. I don't, I don't Snapchat. I'm old school. Um, like I said, reach me on Facebook or Instagram and um, check me out. Okay, if you wanna if you wanna holler at me, tell me that I got a dope podcast. Tell me that you're going to uh, watch my my reading of uh, Battle of the Books, June 19th, Facebook Live, 8 p.m. Uh, any of that, you can hit me up. My email is adq4christ at gmail.com. ADQ Apple Dog Queen for the number four Christ as in Jesus Christ at gmail.com. Uh, my my Instagram is Dion Chocolate Guy 85. My Twitter, I do tweet, uh, Avenue ADQ underscore 85. And my Facebook is my government name, Adrian Dion Quarles, A-D-R-I-A-N-D-I-O-N-Q-U-A-R-L-E-S. Please do not send CIA after me. RL, um, thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for all the times that you did uh, crack down on me and whatnot. It's helped me grow as a person. Thank you for even investing in my talent in both support and cast me in your, in, your, in your place. Thank you for all that you do for the the entire artistic community at large. You, sir, are definitely a valued, loved, and necessary member of the Renaissance. Now, before before we let you go, I knew you was would you like to spit something <laughs> real quick? Was coming. Um, <clears throat> um, of course you uh, all right, I'll do one of my love joints. It's a new piece. Yeah, I'll do my love joints. All right, great. Thank you. Her thighs required more warmth than that familiar fluffy comforter her arms were conveniently wrapped around. This amber rose needed watering, and the best pillow talk or moist whispers uttered in the dark. Face down, ankles high, locked in a season of cuffing. She tossed and turned like hamster on wheel. Pandora in her earbuds, 90s R&B shivering her timbers, self-control nowhere on this playlist, a love language of touch that ravished and lavished her for hours. She had a taste for that hot cocoa masculine scent of arms that provided a better covering than any sheet thread count and some lifetime TV. She wasn't in the mood to burn sage and meditate on prayer journals. She felt trapped, the catacombs of her bedroom, solitary confined to wishes she wanted the company of a hardcore musk and secure biceps laying all alone bath and body working blessed and banging like a brand new s-class a queen in her king size the silhouette of her frame shadow boxing on the wall and tonight she wouldn't put up a wall tonight she would be op- she would open her sugar walls free to give like a naked care package just for tonight she, v- she would give in to what he's giving either uber or pull up in the lemon a couple of sticky orgasmic rounds would suffice much much more than a couple of forevers she was the definition of a good girl not one you could just slide into her dms with booty calls in the late pm not limited to country grammar but tonight she was ready to turn her hospitality into dirty south the intense difficulty in not finding the right gladiator to conquer her forbidden city justified the empty space at her throne she couldn't convince her hormones to shut up. Conversations in her head confusing, undecided whether to read First Thessalonians or relent to felonious freaky philosophies. She had weathered this sexual storm for many moons, but baby, it's cold outside, and her winter solstice was melting her willpower 
never conservative, but consumed with the energy a pack of Duracells and a plugged-up device couldn't bring higher vibrations to. So, even though she had kept her spirit locked into celibacy, this very moment she was more than willing to unbuckle her chastity belt and be taken. The passion fruit had marinated long enough. The power you was Philadelphia. Now all she needed deep inside was some good, brotherly love. Powerful stuff, man. So, um, so yeah, I'm gonna be using that poem uh, uh, either on my honeymoon or next time where I decide. Next time I may mistakenly violate First Thessalonians. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, um. <clears throat> Yo, RL, great chopping up with you. Thank you again for your time. And um, when you get your project, when you get your project up and going and stuff, no doubt, no doubt. please Thank come you. tell Thank us. Time. Please come tell it. us about it. Thank you. All right, peace. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate. It.